You're listening to Real Faith Radio, presented by Praise Chapel, Las Vegas. This is where real faith meets real change. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play Music to get instant notifications when new episodes are available to download or stream. You can also check out our website, praisechapellasvegas.com, to check out some more information about us and see what's going on this month on our events calendar. Lastly, follow us on social media at PC Las Vegas. With that being said, listen up, because here comes the word. Verse 7 says, So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, Prophesy to breathe, or I'm sorry, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe into the slain that they may live. Say, may live. So I prophesied as he commanded to me, and breath entered them, and they came to life and stood upon their feet, a vast army. Let us pray this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you for the encounter that took place last night. But Father, we're praying for greater this morning. We're praying for greater breakthrough, greater miracle signs and wonders. And Father, I yield myself to you as your oracle. That this word you've placed on my heart, that it would flow like honey this morning. And that it would pierce every heart this morning. So that we are not just hearers of the word, but doers of the word. In Jesus' name I pray. And God's people said amen. Amen. Now before you're seated, turn to your neighbor and give give them a little Methodist high five. And tell them get ready for the word. Don't give them a Pentecostal one yet because you'll knock them down. So that's a little Methodist one. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Thank you, men and women of God. (laughs) The title of my message this morning is The Resurrection. Can someone say The Resurrection? resurrection. Don't worry, this is not the Easter morning message, but we thank God that Jesus is alive and well. Amen? This message, I believe, is important to the body of Christ because there are a lot of dry bones sitting in our churches. And nothing will come to life without the breath of God. Do you hear me this morning? I'm going to need you to talk back to me on Sunday morning. I, put on, I brought my suit this morning. I brought my Baptist suit this morning. When I take it off, it's my Pentecostal suit. See, God created Adam, what, out of the dust of the earth. But Adam did not have life until what? God breathed into him. Those dry bones became alive when the breath of God entered his body. Many of us last night had God breathe on us and dry bones came alive last night. I guess Pastor R was the only one that had dry bones come alive last night. It's the breath of God that brings resurrection life in our life. See, we have to know Jesus as the resurrection. In him we find life. 
In him we find everything we need, as I said last night. When I encounter Jesus, I encounter all of heaven. He doesn't withhold anything when we encounter him. Listen, there were bodies all over this floor last night. It was a Holy Ghost crime scene in here last night. We were going to start stacking bodies last night. It was just getting rough out here. But see, when God breathes on us, it sets our destiny into a different direction. See, because it's when God breathes on us, he breathes life. It's eternal life. It's everlasting life. Some people ask me, why do you blow on people? I tell them this very simple. I don't know. I just know, I know God says, do it, and I do it. Now, it doesn't mean that I didn't fight with God when he asked me to do it. Remember last night I said God loves a good wrestling match because he always wins. I attended a church back home. About probably three to 400 people attend this church. Pews, and we had altar space from here till about right here. That's where the pew started. So nobody could go under the power of God because if there was no catchers, you were out. So I was on the healing team. We would pray for the sick when our pastor would call for the sick to come up. And I went and this little old lady, probably in her 80s or 90s, came up. I had never seen her in church before. She came up and the music's going, worship, you know, it's a good old Pentecostal service. And I go and I ask her, what is it you want God to do for you? She goes, I have this pain in my neck. I said, okay. So I put my hand on her head, and I'm praying for her audibly. And I'm just saying, in the name of Jesus, God, heal this neck. And the voice of the Lord speaks to my spirit and says, blow on her. And I told God, no. Absolutely not. I had never done it before. I'm not doing it to this nice little old lady. She's a visitor because I've never seen her before. I'm not blowing on her. All while the while, I have my hand on her head and audibly praying. I'm wrestling with God in my inner man. And he says, breathe on her. I tell God, no. And oh, no, not happening. And God continues to wrestle with me. And I'm getting angry with God as I'm trying to pray for healing over this woman. And I'm thinking, should I backslide right now and just leave? Or continue to pray for this dear precious woman. So to please God and to say that I obeyed him, I did this. <laughs> Just to say I pleased God. I obeyed. To my amazement, she hit the floor and the power of God hit her. There was someone behind her because of the closed benches. And then she was starting to get up, so I had my guy. I said, pick her up. And I said, what happened? She goes, I felt the power of God. She goes, I don't go to this church. I go to another church. She goes, I was walking home and I heard the worship, so I came in. She goes, and I asked God, God, you need to heal my neck and I need you to breathe on me. I was just the broken vessel he decided to use. That's all I was. Even though I wrestled God... When I obeyed, it was an answer to her prayer. Why? Because the breath of God brings healing and life. Now, I'll breathe on you. I'll swing my coat at you. 
If you're blind, we'll get some mud. I'll spit in your eye if the Lord asks me to. So if you're blind, you better get healed right now before the altar call. Because we will lather you up. and Because I obey everything. I'll throw my shoe at you if the Lord asks me to. I obey everything now. I've learned my lessons. But see, we need God to breathe on us because there are things in your life that are dead that God is going to resurrect this morning. God is going to bring some things back to life. Some of you need God to breathe on your finances. We got too many Christians playing the slot machines and the lottery instead of tithing and giving. Y'all don't want to hear me this morning. Listen, you have a better chance of being hit by lightning than you do winning the lottery. So I made a deal with God. If I get hit by lightning, I get to buy one lottery ticket. But I'm not trying to be hit by lightning. I'm not hiding under a tree with nickels in my pocket. That's (laughs) That's not the deal I have with God. I'm not holding an umbrella under a tree waiting for lightning to strike. You want to be... Out of debt, become a tither and a giver into the kingdom of God. And God will breathe on your finances and then you'll have more than enough. Because then you'll start living in the overflow. See, because God doesn't bless you with just enough. He blesses you with more than enough. When he fed the 5,000, scripture says there were some left over. So he doesn't bless you with just enough. And see, if you understand biblical history, scriptures record 5,000. But in those days, they didn't count the women and the children. So there might have been 20,000. If there were Mexicans there, there were 50,000. Because we brought everybody to a, to a buffet. And then we try to take plates home. You know how we do. Because grandma couldn't make it, so we got to take two plates, even though she's eating just half of one. So you know there was more folks, and all the Mexicans came in one car. My dad used to drive a two-door Buick Skylark. One time we got eight people just to go get Mexican food. We crammed into a Buick. But what do you need God to breathe on this morning? Maybe you need God to breathe on your marriage. That's broken and the devil's busy doing things and sticking his nose in your business. Ask God to breathe on it. Every morning I ask God to breathe on my marriage. Because the devil's busy. He wants to destroy what God has put together. But as the head of my house, I ask God, breathe on my marriage. Maybe you need God to breathe on your children. I ask God to breathe on my three babies every day. When they're at school, I lay on their beds and ask God to breathe on them as they sleep. Because this world is trying to steal our kids. Social media is trying to steal our kids. Television is trying to steal our kids. But it's the word of the living God that will transform them that will breathe on them to raise up ministers of the gospel, to raise up soldiers of the gospel and not be ashamed. 
There are too many Christians in church ashamed to say they go to church. Y'all don't hear me this morning. And then you want God to bless you, but you can't tell nobody where you were on Sunday morning between 11 and 1 o'clock? You check in at the restaurant, but you don't check in in church on Facebook? Look, everyone's phone's starting to come out. Pastor's going to be looking later. I'm here, PCLV, hashtag encounter, hashtag this is PCLV. Everyone wants to take a selfie. Not everyone wants to see you on Facebook. I don't care about your duck lips and what you got on. I don't care what filter you've tried just to make yourself look pretty. If you're jacked up on the inside, it don't matter what you look like on the outside. But when God breathes into you, he'll change the outside all by himself. Because the old song says, Jesus on the inside, working on the outside. Oh, what a change in my life. See, I'm a little old school. I'm sorry. It's Sunday morning, so I get to be a little old school. But what does God need to breathe on? There are some things the devil has killed in your life, and you've allowed it to happen. You have allowed the devil to kill some things in your life, and you've been okay with it. Well, pastor, I'm not being used by God because you allowed the devil to kill your call. This may be the last time you have me back, pastor, because I'm getting some looks right now. So I'm going to take advantage of this one. See, I couldn't be a pastor of a church because I'm a little too raw for some people. And we get emails to our, our ministry, you know, people who want counsel. and So people will care, I'm broke. Are you a tither and a giver? No. Well, then that's why you're broke. Counseling session over. I, I, what do you want me to do? I, can, I, I don't have six to eight weeks to counsel you one hour a day to tell you just be a tither and a giver and God will bless you abundantly. My marriage is broken. Fall in love with Jesus, then fall in love with each other, and God will restore the marriage. Counseling session over. I don't need six months to tell you that. I have better things to do. I'm depressed. Guess what? Smile. You're still alive. There's still breath in your body. God is still on the throne, and he'll turn your mess into a miracle. So hashtag, just smile. I don't need to sit with you for six months to tell me you're depressed. You're still on this side of the dirt. That's reason enough to smile. You woke up this morning. That's reason enough to smile. There's breath in your body. That's reason enough to smile. You're in the house of God. That's a greater reason to smile. Because some folks got a call this morning that someone didn't wake up. There are family members all over this country grieving that someone went home. But you're depressed? And you say you serve a Jesus that died on a cross for you? Shed his blood for you? Rose from the dead for you? And is coming back for you? And you're still depressed? 
I don't understand. I can't, my mind is not that big, bro, to comprehend depression like that. I can understand why the world's depressed because they don't know the answer. But we know the answer and his name is Jesus. I get it. Why people are identifying as other things. But see, when God marks your life, he will identify you as a son and daughter of God. Too many Christians walking around church with their head down like they're looking for change. Pick your head up. You're a child of God. You are royalty. So walk around like royalty. Now, it doesn't mean be conceited and stuck up. There's a difference. It's knowing who your heavenly father is. See, when I walk outside, my parents used to tell me, when you walk out those doors, you represent mom and dad. And we pre represent the king of kings. I didn't want to disgrace my mom and dad when I walked outside those doors. Because my dad would have killed me. <laughs> I'm still afraid of my father. That's why I didn't bring him on this trip. No, I'm just kidding. He just couldn't come on this trip. But God is looking to breathe on your situation. See, the devil tries to silence our praise by putting his hand over our mouth. And we've allowed him to do that. We've allowed him to steal our breakthrough. As Pastor was saying yesterday, it's one of my favorite stories in the scriptures of the woman with the issue of blood. Because she did everything to encounter him. I picture her being kicked and stepped on, but she was not going to let anything stop her from getting her miracle. And see, this is what I love. She didn't need to talk to Jesus face to face. She didn't need to go to an encounter service. And these are great. They're wonderful. She just needed to be close enough to him to touch him. That's all she needed. She didn't have this hallelujah moment where Everything around her went dark and a beam of light was shining down on her from heaven. And she could hear angels singing. No. She just had to touch the hem of his garment. The devil has kept you quiet long enough. But it's time to ask God, breathe on me. Resurrect the things in my life that I've allowed the enemy to destroy we all have things. I have things. God, breathe on it. God, breathe on this ministry. I got a call last night as I got back to the hotel from a friend of mine in London who had been praying and fasting for this weekend for the last month and a half because God spoke to him to pray and fast for a month and a half. He goes, how'd it go? I said, man, it was ridiculous in that house last night. He goes, what do you mean? I said, there were bodies everywhere. I couldn't move. I had to jump over people. I lost about eight pounds. <laughs> Me and Pastor went to in and out so I gained 12 pounds. <laughs> so it didn't really work out all that good. <laughs> yeah, I'm in the negative. <laughs> I'm in the hole, so I'm going to try and get out of it later on today. But there's an ice cream shop at the hotel I'm trying to hit. <laughs> there's a Dunkin' Donuts with a vanilla Long John with my name on it. I just felt the Holy Ghost again right there. I'm going to ask God to breathe on that ice cream. <laughs> but what is it you need God to resurrect? Yeah. 
We often pray, Lord, do this for me. And God is asking, what are you doing for me? That's what he's asking in our prayer time. What are you doing for me? As I told you last night, coming to church is not about you. It's about him. I know folks who get mad. Well, the worship team played a new song. I didn't know it. Okay. That's why I couldn't be a pastor. But like, there's another church, I'm sure, that plays all. You can still hear Shout to the Lord if you want. <laughs> That's too contemporary. I like the old ones. Me too. I like a mix of both. I can sing I Exalt Thee and do other things and worship God because he's still God. Reinhard Bunke goes into the jungles of Africa with no worship team. They just call out on Jesus. He doesn't have musicians with him. And he has seen more souls saved than anyone in history. Over 70 million people have given their lives to God. And he doesn't have a fancy worship team. They're just in the jungle preaching the gospel. Millions come to hear the man of God. And we don't come to church because we got a headache. And we want God to breathe on something. But you won't miss work on Monday because there's a paycheck on Friday. Don't shut me down when I'm preaching this good. I came a long way for this word. I'm tired. We have an excuse not to come to church, but get mad when God doesn't breathe on something. Even God the Father had to breathe on his son on the third day to bring resurrection. Even Jesus tried to wrestle with his dad in the garden. He said, if there be any other way, take this cup from me. It's not recorded in scripture, but if I'm Jesus, I'm asking God, why don't you just take Peter? He's crazy anyway. <laughs> He's going to chop off somebody's ear. He's going to betray, you know, he just jacked up. Just get him. <laughs> On Facebook, we would have said, Peter, cray cray. This boy got problems. Can you take Judas? He's going to betray me anyway. Let me tell you something. For all you, especially for you single people, just because someone kisses you doesn't mean they love you. Because Judas betrayed the master with a kiss. Doesn't mean they love you. Just means they kissed you. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, he was betrayed with a kiss, and not because he loved him, because he sold him out. But Jesus wrestled with the Father. And there's one moment in biblical history where Jesus becomes you and I, and that's at the cross. Because in one moment, he doesn't pray to his Father, he prays to his God. That's the only moment he never refers to his father, but he refers to him as his God. At that moment, he becomes you and I. That moment, he becomes you and I. When he says, my God, why have you forsaken me? He didn't call out to his daddy in that moment. At that moment, that's when our sin was being washed away. That's when healing was coming at that moment because he became you and I. 
And then the father graciously had to breathe on him on that third day. Many of us have died spiritually. And God wants to breathe on you. To bring resurrection power. And the enemy's mad that you're here again. Looking for God to breathe on you. Looking for an encounter. Oh, I want to be used by God. Then God, breathe on me. Be careful what you ask God for because he's going to give it to you. The old saying is don't ask God for patience because then he's going to test your patience. That's why I couldn't be a pastor, man. I'd be in a church all by myself on Sunday morning. <laughs> hanging out, singing, shout to the Lord and how great thou art. My wife wouldn't even show up, I don't think. I'll go somewhere else, man. <laughs> but God has to breathe on us for life to come. It's only his breath that brings life. It's when he gets a hold of us and we surrender and die to self. See, we want, we want all these things of God, but we don't want to give him our life completely. I've seen many people get saved and still go home and struggle with addiction. And I know some people say, well, God is still working on them. Yeah, I, I get it to a point. God is still working on all of us. But when you have an encounter, you don't go back to the cigarettes and the drugs and the alcohol and the pornography and the gossip or the stealing. When you truly encounter God, he takes everything from you. He takes it away. A man of God, a general of the faith by the name of Rex Humbard, years ago said, God takes your sin and throws it into the deepest part of the ocean. And then Jesus puts up a sign in that very spot that says, no fishing allowed. So that you can't go back and reel in that sin. That's what we do. We go back because it's comfortable. It's been a part of us for so long. More people spending money on cigarettes than sowing into the kingdom. I've never smoked. I've never had a drop of alcohol in my life because I made a decision to give God my teenage years and my young adult years to say, God, I'm just yours. Doesn't mean I didn't mess up. Doesn't mean I didn't get angry with God at times. We all have been angry with God. I was angry with God in, back in 2002. A great friend of mine began a church plant in Chicago at a park district. I was his first official member of the church. Our first service, we had five people. African-American church, I was the only Mexican in the church. I would tell my pastor I brought a little color to the church. It was just a different shade of brown, that's all. A little mocha. <laughs> And he made me an usher. And I wanted to backslide after about six months of ushering. Because people are crazy when an usher will tell them, please sit here. I was ready to kick some people. We had a guest speaker at the church one time, and I was ushering and looking nice in my suit. This lady came in. 
And, you know, as an usher, you're taught to just fill up the first row, second row. You just go back. And the fourth row was available. And I told this woman, I said, here, you could sit here in the fourth row. And she looked at me. She goes, I'm an evangelist. I don't sit in the fourth row. So I left her standing there. And walked away. <laughs> My pastor was preaching, and he saw me, and he cracked a smile because he knew how I was. So I just left her there. I didn't care if she sat on the floor, sat Indian style over there. I went back to my chair and sat down and just enjoyed the rest of the message. I just left her standing in the aisle. She didn't know what to do, but she sat in that fourth row because there was no other seat available. So for all you ushers, there are great rewards for you in heaven. Because I know my gifts and that's not it. I don't go to a church and expect to sit in the front row. Okay? God will move in the back row as he will in the front row. Sometimes God starts in the back row and moves forward. Now, I understand giving honor where honor is due. And when a man or woman of God who's in ministry comes into the house, you honor them, you sit them in the front. I understand that completely. But don't tell me you don't sit in the front row because you're an evangelist. I was ready to... I was ready to knock her out, repent, then pray for healing over her. That's just the gospel truth, man. If I would have stayed in Usher another two weeks, I would have been backslid. I would have been gangbanging in Chicago. I would not be here right now. I'd be cracked out right now. Just gone. I'd be through right now. I'd be tatted up, wearing a bandana, homeless. I don't know. I just... No wife, no kids, just doing nothing. But see, God had to breathe on me. God had to resurrect some things in my life. That it was not about ushering people. It was about serving God. And it was about submitting to the man of God. See, because that's one thing that we don't want to do is submit to our leadership. That's one thing that was drilled into me as a little boy. You submit to the leadership of the church house. If your pastor says clean the toilet, you tell pastor, where the stuff at so I can clean the toilet. You don't throw a fit. Because let me tell you something, you wouldn't throw a fit at work. Because there's a check on Friday. And you got to take vacation in a few days. And you want your personal days. But you don't want to sweep the floor at church. You better some of us need a Holy Ghost backhand. God disciplines his children. Sometimes we need a little right upside the head, man. This, gener this generation now puts their kids on a timeout. My parents took timeout to give me a whooping. They would set aside some time to make sure I got a whooping. They didn't put me in no corner and said, count to three. I see now all the time parents say, don't make me come over there. I'm going to count to five. Then hit five and nothing happened. If I'm a kid, I'm just clapping. You made it to five, mom. Congratulations. Then we wonder why our kids are running amok and why they can't serve God or obey leadership. Because you want to count to five every time they get in trouble. 
God doesn't count to five with us when he has to get our attention. God has never said, hey, get in the corner till I count to five. But we need God to breathe on it. We become soft as a church. We've lost an attitude, and not a, a, you know, a negative attitude or trying to be this, but just to be strong in God. Because the world is coming, and guess what? There's a part of it that the world is winning. Because there are other churches falling to what the world is teaching. There's a lot of churches now that have a rainbow flag outside their church. And allowing those men and women of God to minister. Mm -mm. Sin is still sin. I was telling Pastor the other day, we were, yesterday we were talking, I said, let's take the Bible out of it. Let's take Jesus out of this conversation. Just a scientist will tell you, there's boys and girls. There's an X chromosome and a Y chromosome. What you think you are, that's your business. What I know you are is what God made you to be. That's all I know. I know what God breathed on you and what he made you to be. But now we don't want to offend anybody in church because we don't want to lose our best giver or our, our talented worship leader. Listen, Jesus offended everybody everywhere he went. Not on purpose, but because he was just preaching the father's business. He was just telling him what his daddy taught him to do. That sin is still sin. There are no gray areas in the kingdom of God with sin. It's black and white. There's either heaven or hell. There's no middle ground. You can't go to the basement or to, no, there's heaven or hell. That's the only place you're going to end up. You lying is just as great if you killed somebody. Sin is sin. It's not all oh, I kind of sinned. <laughs> what? It's like a woman saying, I'm kind of pregnant. <laughs> either you are or you're not. I can't say I'm kind of skinny. I'm a lot of fat. I live in the overflow. God did not say, give us this day our daily kale. He said bread. He's the bread of life. So I soak up all the bread. When I have spaghetti, I get French bread so I can mop up the sauce. I don't eat kale chips. I go for Doritos. I'm going to get a new body up there anyway. Some of you look hungry. I'm not. I'm going to go to heaven full. God is not going to recognize some of you because of your diet. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying be healthy. Not to be healthy. I'm not saying that we don't take care of the temple. But some of you eating grass and you need an in and out burger quick. And ask God to just breathe on you, man. It's okay to laugh in church, amen. Because we're full of the joy of the Lord. Amen. Joy unspeakable. 
And listen, if you don't think that God has a sense of humor, look at the person sitting next to you. And tell me God is not funny. Tell me God does not have a sense of humor. Because you know that person next to you. And only God could do that. But what do we want God to breathe on? What do we want God to resurrect? Maybe it's joy. Maybe just saying, God, I've been sad. I've been hurt. Breathe joy into my life. Breathe an unspeakable joy, an undeniable joy in my life. The world doesn't understand how you can be going through the fire and still be worshiping God. They don't understand. I have family members who are unsafe. I have family members living a homosexual lifestyle and can't understand why we still praise God in the midst of the storm. And I tell them simple, it's because it's the Jesus that lives in me. It's the Jesus that I've encountered. It's the Jesus that I allow to breathe on me daily. Listen, I take authority in my home. It's not always perfect. I'm not the perfect husband. Listen, my wife, if I had just said that, she'd be shouting and speaking in tongues, knowing I ain't the perfect husband. But I walk in every room in my house, and I plead the blood of the lamb in every room in my house every single day. Because I want my family covered by the blood. I want God to breathe on my children and my wife. I go into those family members' homes that are not saved, and in my spirit, I'm just saying, God, breathe in this place. I don't take a day off. As Christians, we don't take a day off. We don't take a personal day. We don't get an excused absence from the kingdom. There have been times where I've laid hands for people at a Target. And I used to work for Target. And he had me doing it while I worked for Target. And I was a manager. And there are bodies laying in the middle of the home improvement aisle at Target. Security comes running out. What happened? God showed up in aisle six of home improvement. They were looking for light bulbs and they found the light of the world here. I, what do you want me to do? I didn't breathe on them. I didn't swing my coat. I don't even have a coat. I, I, just God said, lay hands on them, and I did. I got written up for it. I didn't really care. People got healed. That's all I know. But God, breathe on me. What is it you need God to breathe on? What is it that the devil's been standing on that you need to tell God? God, get him out of the way now. Remove the enemy now. Like I said last night, the devil belongs in one place under your feet. No other place, man. But we want to walk side by side with him sometimes. Sometimes we hold the hand of the enemy as we're walking through life. And I'm tired of seeing Christians be beat up. I'm tired of seeing Christians be beat up. There is more to life than what you're going through right now. And if you would just encounter him. I know we encountered him last night. You're going to encounter him again this morning. You had a radical change last night, man. I, 
I called my wife last night. It was 1230 back home. I said, she goes, how was service? I said, I used that word again. I said, it was ridiculous. God just broke out. I said, there was this one young girl who God just wrecked. She was undone. And I told my wife, I said, babe, I said, I want to be undone just like that. Just like that young girl was, man. I want to be undone like that. I don't want this little dabble, do you? I said, I want to be undone. Many of us say, God, where are you? You didn't show up. He showed up. You missed him. Because we get more concerned about our situation than we do about God showing up. Many people look for a healing instead of looking for the healer. Listen, there are people looking for a savior, and his name is Jesus. When was the last time you told someone about Jesus? Tell me. When was the last time that God spoke to you knowing you were supposed to tell that person in the line of target about Jesus and you ignored the voice of God? I've done it. I'm not perfect in obeying his voice. I was, uh, I go to Planet Fitness. I know it doesn't look like I do, but I, I go. I was telling my wife, I'm going to the gym. She goes, who's your friend Jim? I said, no, Planet Fitness. She goes, oh, it doesn't look like you go. And I'll do about eight miles on a treadmill and then go get a long john just to reward myself. Again, in the negative. They're just taking my money at Planet Fitness. <laughs> but there's one time I was on the elliptical, and there was a young man on the weights, and he was there with his girlfriend, I think, probably in his mid-20s. And I'm just doing the elliptical. I'm just feeling God, listening to Jesus culture so I can get pumped up. I'm not sure why Jesus culture pumps me up, but just going, thinking about that vanilla long john after this workout. There's a Dunkin' Donuts on my way home, right behind my house, actually. <laughs> we moved to the wrong spot, bro. I got a Dunkin' Donuts, there's a Chick-fil-A, there's a Portillo's, there's a Culver's, there's a McDonald's, all within five minutes of my house. We picked the wrong location. And the Lord spoke to me, he said, go pray for him, he's got a bad hip. And I'm thinking, I'm all sweaty, I, I don't have my evangelist suit on. So I just kept going on the elliptical thinking, I didn't hear God. And the Lord said, go pray for him. Hit pause. I've gone my quarter mile <laughs> in 17 minutes. <laughs> I'm running a really bad time on that elliptical. And I go up to this young man. And as I get closer, I realize he's a Muslim. Now I got a little excited. I said, hey, man, I said, I don't mean to bother you doing your workout. I said, but I'm a Christian, and I was on that elliptical over there that has only the quarter mile and 17 minutes on it over there. And God spoke to me that you have a bad hip. And he looked at me. He goes, how did you know that? I said, I just said God spoke to me. He said, you had a bad hip. Not Allah or Muhammad. But God, the living God. And I said, would it be okay if I just pray for you? He said, you mean right here, right now, in front of everybody? Yeah. I said, I won't even touch you. I said, I'll just stand right here next to you and just pray. 
I didn't want to lay my hands on him. I didn't want him to punch me in the face. I didn't know what was happening. And I said, I'm going to pray that the fire of God goes, and he said, there's going to be fire. And he just, I said, no, 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 not that kind of fire. I'm going to pray for, and I, I was trying to choose my words carefully. I didn't want to speak Christianese in front of him. You know, we do that. We speak in the King James Version at church, but then we're cussing outside. So I said, I'm just going to pray that God heals your hip. And I just folded my arms. I didn't want to touch him. I didn't want him to think I was trying to make a move on him. <laughs> yeah, in front of his girl, who was stronger than me, who I picked up those weights and threw it at me. I didn't even close my eyes. This is when I said, Lord, in Scripture, it doesn't go wide open. I was looking around. So I don't know if he's rolling deep or what's going on here. I said, in the name of Jesus, heal his hip. And I looked at him, and he grabbed his right hip. He goes, I felt like a heat. He goes, is that the fire? I said, yeah. And I said, do something you couldn't do. And he began to raise his hip like that. He goes, it doesn't hurt anymore. I said, okay. Shook his hand. God bless you. Left. Why? Because God doesn't take a day off. When he says breathe, you'll do whatever you, he wants you to do for him. Like I said last night, when you fall in love with him, you'll do whatever you, he asks you to do. Doesn't mean I still didn't wrestle with him. But we have to do it. One time the Lord asked me to pay for this lady's groceries who was standing behind me at a checkout. And she only had a few things. It wasn't a lot. Not like I spent 100 It was probably like $20 if less than that. But God said do it, and I did it. I was preaching a conference in Tampa with some generals of the faith. It was about three years ago. It was going to cost $900 to have the car fixed. I took it to the dealer and said, all right, leave it here, fix it. I said, I'm going to Tampa. I'll be back in five days. We went. I preached two nights of this conference. Power of God moved. And the other days, we were just listening to these generals of the faith preach. And we knew how much we were going to give every night. We had set aside, okay, we're going to give this offering time for the man of God. And then the last day we were there, my wife, we wake up at the hotel. She goes, the Lord spoke to me to give an extra $500. I said, baby, are you sure? We got to pay $900 for a car. She looked at me. She goes, I know the voice of God. She rebuked me. I can take rebuke from my wife. And I said, okay. We'll give. She goes, and then to make it worse, she gave me the check. I'm thinking, she ain't going to know if I give it to her. I'll just put it right here. And that offering came around in the bucket, and my hand was shaking like this. But I let go. And as it went by, I said, God, just breathe on that $500. Just breathe on it. We get home that day. I fly back from Tampa. We're having dinner. I get a phone call from a friend of mine in Florida, who I was with at that conference. He goes, bro, the Lord spoke to me. He said, there's a financial need in your house. He goes, what is it? I said, man, our car broke down before we went to Tampa. It's going to cost 900 bucks." He said, okay, hung up the phone. About three hours later, he called me back. He goes, my wife and I and the kids were going to pray for your finances. He goes, and the Lord stopped me. He goes, why would you pray when I've already told you to pay for it? So he sent me $900 into our email account for our ministry. He goes, go ahead and talk to us. All because we obeyed God. And because we asked God to breathe on it. 
It was that simple. Is it easy to obey God? No, it's not. I understand that. But we must obey And as I said, God, breathe on it. I didn't know that God would bless the rich with wealth. I didn't know what God would do out of it. He could have given me $900 worth of long time, and I would have been just as happy. I would have done my praise dance all over the house. But see, when you ask God to breathe on it, He meets every single thing. And He will resurrect the things. 